Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get in touch with us. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. The number is 855-4-G-A-R-T-E-N. iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is also how you get in touch with us. What a crazy and absolutely insane week we have. Uh, We're coming off of just one of the craziest weeks. And now, all of a sudden, we have a big week where there are massive questions. Look, is it Mike Wright? Is it Joe Flacco in New York? I mean, what are we doing? Patrick Mahomes right now leads all of football in interceptions. He's tied with Zach Wilson. It doesn't make any sense out here. The Kansas City Chiefs, they are sitting at under 500. All of a sudden, Tennessee is a team that just can't seem to be stopped. I mean, that's what we're looking at. Miami, they want a new quarterback, but Tua is finally showing light. The Detroit Lions are the best 0-7 team maybe in the history of the league at this point. What are we doing? The Cincinnati Bengals, they're the best team in football. The two best teams that are headed for the Super Bowl right now, Cincinnati and Arizona. Oh, it's complete and total chaos. We're going to get into all of the chaos and how we could use that chaos to kind of work for us, right? Let's use that chaos to work for us and be able to move on and in, in, in a position where we can make some money. Look, the books lost again this week. It's the first time, I don't know, in forever that they've lost three weeks in a row. I actually heard that they had a bad three-week stretch in 2012, but it wasn't as bad as this. And now we look at this and you go, yeah, this is an interesting scenario where the books just keep losing, the public just keeps winning, and you know that's going to come and kind of even out. And forget about even evening out. It'll probably flip the complete other way. And we'll look at this and you go, okay, enjoy what you have now. But we can get out in front, right? We can get out in front of these games and out in front of this week, and we can get out in front of the adjustment period and be on the book side when they start crushing the public. And that's what I'm going to sit back and try to talk to you guys today about. And we'll get into all of it. First game. Look, let's talk about the Thursday night game, Green Bay, Arizona. It is the best game on the board. Look, this should be a Monday night football game. I mean, it's just reality. This should be a Monday night football game. Weirdly, the Monday night games have been, ah, ah, (laughs) you know, Monday night football games have been, uh, look, last week, I understand there's no Russell Wilson, but Last week was a garbage Monday night game. The Sunday night game wasn't much better. The primetime games have been iffy, but specifically the Monday night games have been really pretty poor lately. They're either blowouts or some bad teams playing each other. 
And the Thursday night games have actually been competitive, even if it's bad teams. Now we have Green Bay coming in to catching three and a half points against Arizona. The big news in this one is will Devontae Adams play? I mean, Devontae Adams is really uh, the big question mark that you have to look at here and you have to ask. I, I think it swings things massively without Victor uh, Scandling, right? Oh, I'm sorry, Valdez Scandling. You look at him and you go, yeah, what about Valdez Scandling? Yeah, he's out. You look at a guy like Alan Lazard. Can he become the number one in a spot like this without Adams? Because we know how much they rely upon Adams. You look at Robert Tunyon and you go, yeah, I I don't know what happened. Last year, he was a threat. This year, not quite a threat. But we still have two six and one against the spread teams. We both have two teams that are really looking at a Super Bowl now. You got to look at Arizona and say, hey, look, they are a viable Super Bowl contender, not just a playoff contender. You have to look at Green Bay and you have to know what they are. And maybe they're going to start going in. Now, Green Bay does have some defensive issues. They do have cornerback limitations. They do have Devontae Adams, who is limping around. We do understand that. And the Packers, look, they are the worst red zone defense in the NFL last week. Coming into last week, they were the worst. They have four turnovers in the red zone just last week alone. They're not getting it done defensively or offensively inside the red zone. This is a team that's playing within the numbers. So you look at this and you go, yeah, okay, look, we have two gigantic teams, great offenses, everyone's going crazy, and the over-under sitting here at 53 and a half. And you're looking at the 53 and a half number, and I'm going, yeah, look, both of these teams are everything that you just said. Great offenses, absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. But Packers and Cardinals also both have top 10 defenses. And I know that the Packers lost a lot with their corner going out and uh, Smith early in the season was a big blow to them, but they're still playing pretty well. What I have not seen from the Packers and I expect to see in this game is Aaron Jones. Look, I I am the biggest A.J. Dillon fan uh, that is an, actually a Bears fan, right? I mean, look, I liked A.J. Dillon in Boston College. I talked about him the year before he came out. I talked about him the year that he did come out. I said he would have been my number one pick uh, for a running back that year. I love the guy. I went crazy for him. And then he went to Green Bay and I'm ah, now I got to root against him because I'm a Bears fan. But the reality is, is that he's a really good running back. But this is still Aaron Jones's team. And what has happened to Aaron Jones? This should be that kind of game. If Adams is hurting and you want to keep Kyler Murray off the field, very weird that Aaron Rodgers is in a position to keep somebody else off the field, but you want to keep Aaron, uh, I'm sorry, you want to keep Kyler Murray off the field. This is an Aaron Jones game. You know, that's what it needs to be, an Aaron Jones game. And if it's an Aaron Jones game running with A.J. Dillon and you're believing in the Packers and the Cardinals top 10 statistical defenses, well, all of a sudden you're starting to go, okay, this could be that under kind of game. That's what this looks like. Now, as far as the spread goes, I think you have to lean to Arizona here. This is not me hating on the Packers. I think you have to lean to Arizona, even with the number being three and a half. I liked it at three, even with the number being a three and a half. Let's really break down what the Packers have done. Look, they got blitzed in week one against New Orleans and just didn't look very good. All right. I could chalk that up and throw that away. Detroit the next week, they, they beat the Lions who have shown to be pesky, but the Lions are one of the worst teams in the league. And let's not forget, the Lions had a halftime lead. So they had, you know, a halftime lead on this team that everyone is loving in Green Bay. San Francisco was missing everyone. I mean, they were all banged up and we've seen how San Francisco, eh, not overly impressive right now. 
Well, they won that game with a miracle late run, late touchdown run by Aaron Rodgers, uh, late touchdown drive that put them up by two. So they beat Detroit and San Francisco. I'm not impressed after losing to New Orleans. Then they beat Pittsburgh. Again, banged up team, massive injuries. Beat them by 10. I was uninspired about that game, right? I mean, that look, is anybody really going, oh yeah, that's a great game. That, oh, they really pulled that out. It was 17-10 at the half. They won the game by 10 at home against a complete beat-up team. So they took on New Orleans, who just destroyed them. Detroit, who's, look, they might be the number one worst team in the league. If not, they're one of the top two worst teams in the league. They'll be a top five pick for sure in the NFL draft. San Francisco, who was missing everyone and barely got by them. Pittsburgh, who was missing everyone. Cincinnati took overtime. They beat up the the Bears. Oh, yeah, they beat up the Bears. And they won by 10 against Justin Fields, who can't throw it through a paper bag at this point. And then last week, they beat Washington. Okay, another team. Taylor Heineke, Justin Fields, Ben Roethlisberger, Jared Goff, Jameis Winston. I mean, the names are just fantastic. You tell me, look, they did beat Joe Burrow. They did. It took overtime. They barely got by. Barely got by. So I'm not impressed with this Green Bay team. Now you look at Arizona, on the other hand, and you go, well, what about them? You know, I'm going to tell you, not overly impressed with Arizona either. Ah, here we go. Here we go. And you guys want to write me? You want to bash me? It's at Sports Garden over on Twitter. Look, they took on the Titans in week one, but that wasn't the same Titans team that we were watching now. Obviously, the Titans defense is bad anyway. You know, bad last year, bad this year. That wasn't the team that we took on right now. The Vikings at home with a one-point win. Uh, missed field goal here. That Should have lost that game. Still not impressed. In Jacksonville, are you impressed? that They got a 12-point win and struggled against Jacksonville? They beat the Rams. Very solid win. The Niners, 17-10. Struggled against the Niners team with Trey Lance. Struggled against the Niners team with Trey Lance. Struggled, uh, uh, you know, in a spot where they should have crushed the Niners. At the Browns. Oh, that's their signature win. At the Browns. Oh, you mean the Browns that were missing everybody? Everybody left that game. The Browns were like 20 injuries. Literally, they had 20 guys listed on the injury report. And then he beat up on the Texans. Oh, oh, yeah. Call me impressed. And they got one legitimate win on the season. That's the Rams. I'm not giving them the Titans in week one. Just like I just said, hey, you know what? I'm going to blow by the Saints. I'm not giving them the Titans in week one. This is an Arizona team that they're a good team, but I don't think that they're the best team in the league. And that's what their record says. So... You're looking at this game, and I pulled up something from CBS Sports. I'm going to give them credit because it is pretty great analysis here. So since Thursday Night Football came into existence in 2006, all right, so we have a good, this is a good basis of analysis. Basically, every team has to fly, that has to fly two or more time zones away, they've lost. So over the past 15 years, I mean, that's 15 years of analysis, 14 times a team had to fly west they went 1-13 straight up and 1-12-1 against the spread. The Packers are doing that. They're flying west. So this is a bad spot. In a short week, and I've mentioned this on the show before, on a short week, you don't like to change a lot. Right? You don't like to do anything too much in, in the changing situation. They don't have a lot of time to kind of change it up. So on a short week, you want to kind of stick with what's working. Well, if the Packers don't have Devontae Adams, that's massive. Even if he's limited... That's a massive blow. And 
it's again, it's a home team on Thursday night in prime time. I know that that three and a half is getting you. If it gets down to three, I, I expect everybody to be on Arizona. I'm not ruling Green Bay out here. And this is probably a game where I'll sit this one out. I'm actually leaning towards the under, if anything. And uh, But I might sit this one out. This is a good watching game. And you can watch it with aspirations of an MVP. Now, let's get into the MVP conversation because you hear that being thrown about all the time, right? The MVP, MVP. And I put out a tweet on my personal account, uh, not on the Sports Garden account this week. And I said, Tom Brady's the MVP, and it's not particularly close. Oh, did I get some brushback from that? But that look, this is where I stand with the MVP. We have two guys going right now, okay? Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray. Both of them are very good. I am not taking anything away from either one of these guys where they stand right now. And Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray, both of them have to be up there. Rodgers, look, he's going for a back-to-back MVP. But let's really break it down. First of all, who has Aaron Rodgers beaten? I think I just went over that schedule. Aaron Rodgers has 1,710 yards passing going into this week. So everything is going into this week. If you listen to the podcast, you know, on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, this is going into this week. Going into this week, 1,710 yards passing, 15 touchdowns, three interceptions. All right, Aaron Rodgers is having a very good year. His team is in first place. They only have really one bad loss, and that was on opening day. You could kind of get over that for the 37-year-old. Well, Tom Brady has about 500 yards more passing. <laughs> he's got uh, he got six more touchdowns, same amount of interceptions. And don't give me the running touchdowns because Tom's got two. And, and I'm sorry, Tom's got one, Rodgers got two. So Brady is clearly better than Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't think that anybody could argue that. And I'm not talking about career guys. I'm talking about the MVP this season. Let's get into Kyler Murray. Well, Kyler Murray is an interesting situation because everybody loves the new thing, right? And he is the new guy. He's the new thing, right? Uh, this is, oh, it's Deshaun Watson. He comes on to the, the, the oh, well, that's the guy that we like. And then Deshaun Jackson, oh, yeah, no, that's the guy we like. And then it's Mahomes, oh, now it's Kyler Murray. But Kyler Murray, look, passing yards, he, he's behind Tom Brady by like 270-something passing yards. Touchdowns, he's behind Tom Brady by four touchdowns. Interceptions, he's thrown two more interceptions. He's only got three rushing touchdowns. Brady's got one. So, again, you know, it's nice what Murray's doing. And he's really beating up on bad teams is what he's doing. I mean, you know, you look at what he's done. He threw up four against Tennessee, three against Minnesota. He had seven in the first week. He threw up four against Cleveland. But, you know, since that, he put up seven in the first week, in the first two weeks. Seven in the first two weeks. Since then, um, he's got ten <laughs> weeks three, four, five, six, and seven. Brady's been the model of consistency. Tom Brady has been just dynamic every single week with losses. You could tell me that the roster is stacked, but he's still doing it with a backup tight end. He's still doing it without Antonio Brown, who is a, a dominant receiver. Four, five, one, zero, five, four, uh, two, four. It, you know, outside of that New England game, which by the way, he still won. Outside of that New England game, Brady is, has been as consistent as anybody. So what about the other names, right? Because I, I do think that we have to look at everybody when we're doing these kind of comparisons. So the other names of Matthew Stafford, people throwing him in there. Again, behind Brady in yards, behind Brady in touchdowns, has more interceptions and no rushing touchdowns. And I don't think that the Rams, even though they beat the Bucks, I don't think that the Rams should get the recognition because 
you know, they are a second-place team. I know it's to, to Arizona, but they're a second-place team. I just don't think Stafford's going to be up there. McVay will get a lot of that credit. Uh, Cooper Cup will get a lot of that credit. So I, I don't really think that he's going to be up there. A lot of people want to put Dak Prescott up there, right? So let's go and, and check it out and look at Dak Prescott. All right. Well, let's talk about Dak Prescott. Not really close when you're talking about yards. Not really close when you're talking about touchdowns. He's five behind. He's got more interceptions. And Dak is another guy that I think that you can argue that the team is led by the running attack. And that's a a fair argument. I think that's a very fair argument. Now, I had Josh Allen in this mix for a little while there. And last week, if he gets that one yard, maybe he's still leading it for me. Josh Allen, he's got 15 touchdowns, three interceptions. Not, Not quite there. No, no, Josh Allen having a great year, but he's not quite there. And that's the thing. When I say it's not really a question, it's because they're not quite there. So let's look at three more guys. Three more guys that maybe it goes beyond statistics, because when you're talking about beyond statistics, Joe Burrow's thrown his name into the mix just because of where Cincinnati is. And like I said, are they the best team in the AFC? I'm not sure, but Joe Burrow is close. Look, Joe Burrow just throws a lot of interceptions. 17 touchdowns, eight interceptions against 21 and three is just not a fair comparison. I will give Joe Burrow all the credit in the world for what he's doing. But one of the guys that I would throw into the MVP race is Jamar Chase, who's on his team and is going to take some of that award away from him, isn't he? I mean, we've seen that happen a lot. Jamar Chase is on record to uh, on pace to set the record for most receptions, most reception yards for a player, a player, not just a rookie wide receiver. I mean, the guy is just setting marks which are just unbelievable. So I think he he takes away a little bit from what Joe Burrow is doing. He is on pace right now for just miraculous, insane kind of numbers. So you're you're looking at Jamar Chase, and I think he takes away. And then the final guy is Derrick Henry. And you start to look at what Derrick Henry is to his team, and he is very much valuable. I don't know what Tennessee would be without him because we haven't been able to, to get a shot at that. With Brown and Julio, I'm not sure what they'd be without him. What I do see here is he's got 10 touchdowns already, right? He's already got 10 touchdowns. He's already got 869 yards. We're through seven games, right? Just double that to 14 games, and you're talking about, you know, 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns. All right, and that's through 14 games. Now, add 15, 16, 17, add three more games. You're looking at a 2,000-yard season from Derrick Henry with, like, 24 touchdowns. That's the pace, guys. So... When I said Tom Brady is the MVP of the league, it wasn't a slight to Murray. He's just better statistically. It wasn't a slight to Aaron Rodgers or Matthew Stafford. Just better statistically. Forget about Dak and and Allen. They, They can get there. But right now, it's Brady unless you want to give it to a non quarterback. And the days of giving it to a non quarterback, I think, are behind us. You can argue Jamar Chase. But in the same breath that you argue Jamar Chase, I think Joe Burrow is slipping out of your mouth. And that is a problem. So right now, where we stand after seven weeks, it's kind of a two-man battle. And it's not the two guys going on Thursday night. It's not a two-man battle like they're going to try to promote here, the NFL will, on Thursday night. This is not Murray and Rodgers. This is Brady and Henry. And the question is, how important is a running back to a team even a Hall of Fame bound running back like Henry, is he more important than what Tom Brady is important? 
to the Bucks. I mean, the MVP is in the future. I get that. But right now, I'm standing by my statement that Tom Brady is the MVP of this league. And yeah, guys, it's not particularly close. We're going to take a look at that. And I want to take a look at some of the odds and where they are moving right after this. We'll be back right after this, right here on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, we're talking a little MVP, so let's take a look at those MVP odds. And I think you're going to be very surprised who's leading the way right at the top. Josh Allen, 3-1 to one odds to win the MVP. I think people are looking at the rest of the schedule. But as you saw, look, I don't think he's worth the 3-1 to one odds. Kyler Murray is plus 450, as is Dak Prescott, plus 450. Tom Brady, 6-1. to one. I still think that's some value, even though I got him in the preseason. Matthew Stafford's 10-1. to one. Aaron Rodgers is 12 to 1. Justin Herbert, 16 to 1. Derek Carr, 20 to 1. You like King Henry, 25 to 1. Lamar Jackson, 25 to 1 as well. Joe Burrow, 40 to 1. Patrick Mahomes, you think he's turning around? You get 50 to 1 right now. Jamar Chase, 75 to 1. And then Tannehill, Cup, Devontae Adams, Alvin Kamara, all about 100 to 1 or so. And you want to go crazy? How about Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Mac Jones, 200 to 1? That is what are the odds? Oh, I got to tell you, I'm stunned that Josh Allen is leading the way here. I, I I, really am. I am absolutely stunned that he's leading the way. I like the guy. I had him to win it last year, uh, but I am, I am pretty surprised. All right, let's go over this week's games. We'll start it off. We got a lot to go over on Sunday. Carolina, Atlanta, let's start it off in that divisional matchup. Panthers, look, they were thinking about maybe benching Sam Donald. Actually, they did it during the game, and they put in P.J. Walker, but now they're saying, oh, he's our guy. They're saying on one end, "Here's a, he's our guy. Sam Donald's our man. Don't worry about it. my rules. Said, ah, yep, no, that's our guy. I'm going forever with him. Oh, wait, wait. Did Deshaun just call? Is that? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, Sam Donald's all got... Uh, Watson? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I would give that. But but Sam Donald's like... Look... I think that we all know that in Carolina, they're going to be looking to upgrade there, but I don't think it's all Sam Donald's fault. Two weeks ago, there was nine drop passes, and Sam Donald's just not a good enough quarterback to get over things like nine drop passes. Guys getting in his face. He needs everything to kind of work perfectly, and he needs Christian McCaffrey back. Drew Barber's done an okay job, but he needs Christian McCaffrey back. What has happened in this Carolina defense, though? Look, they got blitzed by the uh, the Giants. I mean, the Giants, who had no Saquon, no Shepard, uh, no Galladay, uh, their whole team, no Tony, their whole team was out. And Carolina's defense really has to step up. Atlanta, meanwhile, look, Atlanta's looking like that team that you go, whoa, did we overlook this team? I told you here I liked them last week. Why? Because of the travel schedule. But I also like them because Matt Ryan's playing really well. He's got 10 touchdowns and one interceptions in the Falcons' last four games. That's something to keep an eye on. We did talk about Josh Allen. Let's talk about those Bills. This line is elevating. It opened up at 11.5. It's up to 14 in some spots. Bills at home against Miami. Bills coming off of a bye week after that loss where Josh Allen just didn't get that extra yard. Don't think that's not sitting on him. This is a repeat of another game because they played in week two. The Bills humiliated the Dolphins 35-0 in that game. So you're looking at this and the Bills, you know, they've had the lead in 15 straight games. That's an NFL record. They've also had five games where they scored scored at least 30 points. Offense is not the problem. And defense really wasn't the problem against Miami. 
But all of a sudden, you know, you look at this Bills defense and you go, how good are they? Because coming into last week, they ranked second against the pass and third against the run. They had held opponents to 4.3 yards per play and an average of 13 points per play before last week's meltdown. They, had, they were six in sacks with 14. Their defense ranked third in takeaways, nine interceptions, seven forced fumbles. This was all really working well for them. And then Tennessee just destroyed them. Did they find a hole? Was it a bad night? This is what you have to determine when you're going into a game like this because I'm up in the air. I'm really not sure what we have in this Buffalo defense. Now, the team itself, I think they win this division easily. And if you're still going and asking me, who do I think to win the Super Bowl? Before the year, I took Buffalo and I'm not jumping off of that. But I do worry a little bit. And I worry a little bit because the Dolphins, all of a sudden, they have an offense. And Tua finally looks good. Look, Tua's fantastic against the Blitz. He is absolutely one of the best in the in the business against the Blitz. And you wonder, is Tua finally getting mobility back? Is Tua finally getting confidence back after that rib injury, that hip injury, and all the other things? Or maybe it's the Deshaun Watson rumors that are kind of pushing him forward. Whatever it is, Tua looks good. Waddle's dangerous. Gazeki's like another huge, unguardable wide receiver out there. I think this is a high-scoring game. I think that the Bills win this game. They probably win it with general ease, but I don't think it's 35-0 again. And I'm scared to lay the 14 points. I'll be the first one to tell you. San Francisco and the Bears. San Francisco's minus three and a half on the road with a quarterback controversy going on. Look, Shanahan just named uh, Garoppolo the starter. Okay, well, you know, uh, what does that mean? (laughs) When Trey Lance is banged up, what does that mean? The Niners are minus seven in turnover ratio. They're not playing well. Elijah Mitchell, Mitchell can run the ball, and he's playing well. But overall, their team, their scheme, things are just not going well. And I don't want to keep hearing that Kyle Shanahan is this boy wonder, this genius, because he doesn't look good in coaching out there. The offense can't get anything going. He's calling... Small slant patterns against, you know, defenses that are putting middle linebackers in a spot to succeed. This team can't do much. And defensively, they have a bad uh, situation when you're talking about the cornerback play. Here's the problem with the Bears again, because we we faced this last week. The Chicago Bears can't come from behind because the Chicago Bears can't throw the ball. I mean, that's just it. They're not making anything creative for Justin Fields to get out of the pocket and run around. They're doing nothing, none of that at all with Justin Fields. This is a straight Tom Brady, you know, three-step drop. And actually, Justin Fields isn't even as good in the pocket as Brady. Three-step drop and throw it downfield. Allen Robinson can't catch a cold. I mean, really, you know, one of the interceptions last week was because Allen Robinson just couldn't catch the ball. Mooney's okay. You're relying upon Herbert and Williams. The Bears offensively are a mess. And Justin Fields, we all said, why are you not starting in Matt Nagy? Well, this is why he looks lost out there. You can't go back to Andy Dalton at this point. But right now, Justin Fields looks like a guy that should have slipped in the draft. Justin Fields looks lost. He looks terrible. Last week, he had an opportunity to take advantage of a very weak secondary. Could not do it. The San Francisco 49ers, they can get after the passer. They can create problems. They will stop the run. But you can beat them deep, and you can beat them in the secondary. Can Justin Fields do it? Can he do it? Because right now, I don't see it. That's where this game gets interesting. But I will tell you what, Garoppolo, I know he's returning to Illinois. Uh, I don't know how much time he's going to get. And I don't know how comfortable he feels when he's back there and getting some pressure in his face. The Bears are getting a little bit healthier. Last week, Hicks and Mack were on the injury report. Um, I think they are getting healthier. 
and you're looking at Chicago, they're going to have to win these games the way that weirdly Chicago has been winning games, it seems, for two decades. And that is strictly defense. Just don't ruin it for us on the offense. Problem is, you used to have Devin Hester and Charles Tillman, who was knocking the ball out and picking it up and scoring, and the defense would score. This defense is good, just not scoring. You want to talk about history? How about the Pittsburgh Steelers against Cleveland Browns? Or more specifically, how about Ben Roethlisberger against the Cleveland Browns? Cleveland is giving three and a half points in a game where Case Keenan might start, and if not, it's Baker Mayfield, and it shouldn't matter, right? Odell Beckham's banged up. Landry's banged up. Chubb might come back. We don't know. Hunt definitely won't come back. The offensive line is banged up. Cleveland is looking at this and just saying, yeah, we got a lot of injuries right now. A lot of injuries. But they still have a defense that's ranked third in the NFL in rushing. And the Pittsburgh Steelers know one thing. They know they can't rely upon Big Ben to throw the ball anymore. This has to be a Najee Harris rushing attack. The Pittsburgh Steelers have won 13 games when they've rushed for 100 more or more yards. They know Najee Harris is the future. They know they have to run with him. Against Cleveland, it's going to be very tough. Cleveland is coming off of a bye, though. They've won four straight off of a bye. Mike Tomlin is one of the better coaches in the NFL. We know that. And this defense is really good. I can't imagine. Look, Case Keenum looked good at times last week. And, and you know, you, you look at a guy like Dearness Johnson. A fantastic story. But can you expect them to keep this up? I think this is going to be one of the better defensive battles of the year. And this is going to be a spot where who makes the turnover first? Who makes the big mistake? Who makes the special teams mistake or the special teams great play? That's what this is going to be. Real quick, Dearness Johnson, by the way, I'm sure he isn't listening to the podcast, but I, I hope that he is. I love, I love his story. I'm a Key West guy, right? If I, um, if I hit the lotto or if uh, you guys just keep subscribing to this podcast, you know, and I became rich and famous. I would run away to Key West and you'd never see me again. Well, DeAndre Johnson was in Key West fishing when they called him up. It's just a cool story, man. You know, he thought his career was kind of over. Call him up and he dominates. Absolutely look fantastic. But doesn't this tell you something? That Kevin Stefanski can just make anybody succeed as a running back? This is nothing to take away anything from uh, from Johnson. But their running attack is just fantastic, which then brings up the question, do you pay Baker Mayfield? Right? You're going to pay him $30, $40, $50 million a year when the running game is what you need and the running game is consistent. Although you have to start looking at this from an owner's standpoint and saying, you know, we don't have to pay Kareem Hunt. We're not going to have to pay Chubb because we could put anybody back there. So lots of interesting decisions coming up for Cleveland. But in this game itself, I don't like them laying three and a half just because I don't like anybody laying three and a half. And in this battle, for whatever reason, over the last two decades, Ben Roethlisberger has absolutely owned the Cleveland Browns. Let's go to Philly and Detroit. Detroit is the best owned seven team in NFL history. <laughs> I mean, they really are. My buddy Chris Wynn, who's a, a big Lions fan, said that. And I said, you know, it's a ridiculous statement to utter, but it's very true. Detroit has lost on a 66-yard field goal to a team that's 5-2 and two in the Ravens. I think everybody knows that that's a playoff team. They blew a 10-0 lead to the Rams. Rams are 6-1. and one. That's a playoff team. They led at the half against the Packers. Packers are 6-1. and one. It's a playoff team. They also lost on a 54-yard field goal to the Vikings. Vikings are probably a playoff team. I mean, you're looking at this team and you're going, they are playing tough. I loved what I saw last week where they're going for onside kicks and they're going crazy. Dan Campbell, you told me you were going to bite kneecaps. I think he just did that last week. I think he bought some bits of kneecaps. I mean, that really was insane. And then you look at Philly and the, the question with Philly is, is Nick Sirianni going to make it the year? 
I think we all realize that Nick Sirianni isn't the guy. Okay, and the Colts, they could have the number one and number two pick in the draft next year because of the way of trades and whatnot. Last time that happened, the Indianapolis Colts took uh, Steve Entman and Quentin Coriat, if you remember that from Texas A&M and from Washington, two defensive guys. Well, Philadelphia, I don't know if they want to give Nick Sirianni the idea that and, and the power to that front office to, to go out there and make those two picks, to be able to handle those two picks. This is a spot where Jalen Hurts, they're talking about Gardner Minshew moving up the depth chart and maybe taking over. Because they've seen enough in Jalen Hurts. Forget about the fantasy perspective because fantasy guys love him. But he's bad. He's flat out bad. Detroit has two one-score losses at home. The Eagles have allowed an average of 300 yards passing the last two weeks. They're getting three and a half Detroit. You know, I'm leaning to Detroit here. They are 0-7. They are a bad team, but at least they're fighting. The one thing about Detroit, though... They get destroyed by the slot receiver. The slot receiver in this case is Devontae Smith, and Devontae Smith has looked really good in spurts. If you are a fantasy player, Devontae Smith is a DFS play all day long. Big, biggest game on the day because of that Packers and Arizona game is Tennessee and Indianapolis. This was originally supposed to be a Tennessee... The, the uh, look-ahead spread was a four-point spread for Tennessee. It's down to one. One point spread on the road, and you got to love a battle like this. Now, Tennessee has won three of the last four matchups, including the last two at Lucas Oil Field. They already won this season. Uh, in week three, Derrick Henry ran for 113 yards, and they won by nine. It's a lot of, lot of mistakes in that game. But this is what it's all about. It's all about Derrick Henry. Look, Carson Wentz is playing good football, uh, despite the ridiculous turnover that he had on, on Monday night or on Sunday night football. He's playing good football, okay? But he's not playing great. Jonathan Taylor's playing great. And this is where you have to start going. I saw way too much of getting Jonathan Taylor involved late in that game. Now, they won. And you have to give them a lot of credit for what they did. They went into a soggy, gross San Francisco where they could have mailed it in looking ahead to this Titans game. They could have mailed it in on on just a nasty night. Instead, they didn't. Now, I don't like what they did coming out of the locker room and just flat out not giving it to Jonathan Taylor. But eventually, they realized that this is who they have to go to. As good as Taylor has been, he's not Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry didn't have a good game last week. Didn't actually score a touchdown. He threw one, but he didn't score a touchdown. And and Tennessee looked fantastic. But this is all about Derrick Henry because in the last four games against Indianapolis, he's averaged 136 yards in a touchdown per game. That's his average. Since the start of 2018, this Colts defense has only given up 100 yards or more to one player. (laughs) Uh, And... I one play outside of Derrick Henry, and that's it. So it was Derrick Henry four times and one other guy. Derrick Henry has to be stopped here for the Colts to have any kind of opportunity to win this game. I liked the Colts getting points at home, but the more I break it down, the more I see. There are sometimes teams just get into a groove. Let me tell you, Tennessee is in that groove right now as much as any team could be in a groove. Talk about the opposite of inner groove and the out of the groove. And a great betting opportunity is to just go against the New York Jets. Bengals come in, open up at nine and a half. It's past the 10 now. It's a 10 and a half point favorites. And they should be. This is a classic letdown spot for Cincinnati. You go out there. You finally beat Baltimore. You had never beaten Lamar Jackson. You had never beaten Baltimore. Nobody ever did it. Oh, my God. Look at what we got. And then you got to go play the lowly Jets. And not only the lowly Jets, but Mike White or Joe Flacco, who they brought in about two days ago. 
Okay, that's what you're looking at with the New York Jets. Classic letdown spot for Cincinnati. But I just don't think the Jets can do anything. They're 1-5 against the spread this season, right? Joe Burrow, by the way, will he lead the NFL in passing touchdowns plus 1,400? I don't like it at 14-1, to but it is interesting that it's getting a little, little traction here. Chase, I mentioned him at the top, most receiving yards ever by a wide receiver. Not a rookie. That's what he's on pace to do. But you want a betting opportunity. Maybe you're a little gun-shy against the, the laying the 10.5 here. Right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I want to lay the ten and a half. That's a big number. No problem. How about going against the Jets in the first half or in the first quarter? Because the Jets have been outscored one hundred and six to twenty in the first half. hundred and six to twenty, and they're starting either Mike White or Joe Flacco. The Jets have not scored in the first quarter in six games. It's the longest since the Lions didn't uh, score at all in the winless season. Betting against the Jets in the first quarter. Betting against the Jets in the first half has been massively, massively profitable. I think I'll be doing that again. All right, final game in the early slate. Then we're going to take a timeout. We'll come on back uh, for the late slate. But Los Angeles, the Rams are now up to pass the double digits, pass the two touchdowns, and they're at 14 and a half against the Houston Texans. Last week, the Rams were minus 15 and a half. Two back-to-back weeks where people are making out the Rams to be the greatest team on earth. Look, the Rams are a good squad, but they do have some problems. I don't like laying 14 and a half on the road, even against the Texans here. Now, I'm not taking the Texans. Just like last week, I told you, I'm not taking the Lions, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't go against the Lions. Um, This is a Rams team that you, you look at Matthew Stafford. It has to be some kind of emotional letdown coming back from last week. And that's including Sean McVay also. Look, McVay didn't play for Detroit, but he fleeced them, right? He gave them Jared Goff. There had to be some sort of an emotional uh, letdown there. There had to be some sort of an emotional situation where you go there and now you're taking on the lowly Houston Texans and you're taking on a team that is having a quarterback controversy of their own. Davis Mills is the guy, but Tyrod Taylor might be coming back. And if Taylor comes back, what's the situation? Plus the entire town is just consumed with where Deshaun Watson's going to go and what kind of return they're going to get for them. In the beginning of the year, Brandon Cooks was the only bright spot that you had on this team. It was Brandon Cooks all day, every day. Let's just go to Brandon Cooks and teams were they just weren't doubling him. And you you were watching Houston. You know, look, uh, he, they were getting crushed. But Brandon Cooks was having just a, a great season. Well, they put an end to that. Okay? Teams are now going, forget about two guys on Brandon Cooks. We'll, we'll put three and four. The, the first couple of games of the season, five catches, 132, nine catches for 78, nine catches for 112. Now the last four, five for 47, three for 23, nine for 89, and then five for 21. I just don't see Brandon Cooks being able to get much working here against Jalen Ramsey, who probably doesn't need help, and he'll probably still get a guy, a safety, leaning over. So Brandon Cooks looking like a bad DFS play and a bad play overall in fantasy anyway. Look, this is a Rams team that I think they're getting massively hyped. They are a Rams team that I was speaking to somebody this week, and they said, wow, the NFC is pretty weak. I think the Rams clean it up. And I'm going, whoa, wait a minute. First of all, you're in second place to Arizona, who looks like a legitimate contender. And Tampa Bay is still there with a guy named Tom Brady. And Dallas still looks pretty good as well. Oh, by the way, Dak Prescott's one of the top five on the MVP rating. So I don't think that the NFC is wide open. And I think that the Rams are a little overshot here. The Rams could come out again sleepwalking. The Rams might come out again in a spot where they're just not really uh, focused on Houston. And Houston might be able to keep this one close. 
I don't know if there's a backdoor opportunity with a guy like Davis Mills in there. If Tyrod Taylor was in there, I'd be all over Houston. I don't know if there's a backdoor opportunity here for them, but there might not have to be. This is a Ram team that I think is going to be looking ahead instead of focused on the game. So, you know, they might keep it close for a little while. I won't be betting this game one way or the other. I do know that there is a spot where the Rams might be looking ahead. And since we're talking about looking ahead, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet to the future. All right, guys, let's go bet to the future. And we were talking about that AFC North, and the odds have shifted. Even though the Bengals upset Baltimore, the Ravens is still minus 110 to win this division. The Bengals are now 3-1. to one. Cleveland is tied with them at 3-1, to one, and no one believes in Pittsburgh at 14-1 to one odds to win the division that they have owned for oh so long. That is Bet to the future. All right, guys, let's go to New England and the Chargers in a very interesting game. This line opened up at Chargers minus five. It's now up to six. And New England, look, they've had one score losses against Tampa Bay and Dallas. New England is playing right now. You look at the Patriots and you go, I I see what you're doing, Bill, right? I mean, I see it. I see the growth of Mac Jones. I see you using all kinds of running backs like you normally do. J.J. Taylor got a couple of touchdowns. Uh, Harris looks just unstoppable at times. And you start to really break down New England's schedule. And they're, the, the haters are going to be there. And they're going to look at three and four and they're going to say, you don't have a chance. And I'm going to tell you, week one against Miami, which is, a, Miami's a great week one team, by the way, well, every year. But week one against Miami, Mac Jones, his first start ever, they lose by a point. That easily could have gone the other way. Then they beat the Jets. They lost to New Orleans. All right, you know what? That's a, that's a, a fair loss. They lost to Tampa, two-point loss to Tampa in a game. We all watched it. Probably they should have won. Then they beat Houston. And they lost to Dallas in a game. We all saw it. They probably should have won. Then they just absolutely housed the Jets. Now, the haters are going to go, yeah, you're three and four, but you beat the Jets twice and Houston once. Oh, you are right. The three wins are against teams with zero wins on the season and maybe (laughs) might finish the year with zero wins on the season because the Jets don't play Houston. I mean, that's how bad it is. But I like what I saw against Tampa. I like what I saw against Dallas. I like what I've seen against this team and I like what I watched in, in Mac Jones. Mac Jones, last couple of weeks, has really shown that he can be the guy. But Harris is the reason why I'm very bullish on this team. Harris, the last two weeks, 101 yards, 106 yards. Los Angeles can be beat on the ground. The Chargers are a team that they have deficiencies with the run. Now, the Chargers have Derwin James, who's fantastic. They also So you can't really pass it necessarily deep. Not sure Mac Jones is a deep passer anyway, going over the middle to the tight ends and to Jacoby Myers. You look at a guy uh, like that and you go, okay, well, he plays into what you're not going to try to do anyway. Nick Bosa is a guy that's going to get after the passer. Well, Mac Jones has a pretty quick release. He's not a guy that's going to get sacked a lot. Offensive line is pretty good. So what San Diego or Los Angeles does really well doesn't really affect the Patriots. Now, what the Patriots do really well bothers the Chargers. They run the ball effectively, and they run the all day long. They ru- they will run this ball constantly. And if you're doing that, they have a chance. 
I think this is a game where everyone's loading up on the Chargers, and I get it. I, I completely get it. I can't make a very compelling argument to take New England to win this game outright. But all of a sudden, that five and a half, six points, now six and a half in some spots, it starts to look a little tempting. If this ever got to seven, I'd be all over New England. Jacksonville, Seattle. Oh, this is an ugly game. It's an ugly game for the Seattle Seahawks because Geno Smith is just massively limited, and all he does is show us that time after time. You look at a guy like Geno Smith and you go, there's a reason he's a backup. There's a reason why he shouldn't probably be starting in in this league at all. And obviously, it's because Russell Wilson's injured and all that. Okay, that that's fine. But look, Geno Smith is just not a very good quarterback. There's nothing else to say about it. He came into that game uh, against the Rams. Oh, man, he looked good for a minute. Well, okay. Against Pittsburgh, threw for 209. He threw for 209, but he, he looked much worse than that in the first half. Against New Orleans last week, 167. And 84 of that was on a bomb to DK Metcalf, which he did nothing after that. They didn't, they didn't do it. They didn't score. A, a, he scored three points. Three points after that 84-yard bomb early in the first quarter. Take away that 84-yard bomb. He, he's got like 80-something yards passing. 83 yards passing the entire game. Jacksonville's defense is not very good, but I don't think they're going to let Geno Smith go up and down on them. Now, Jacksonville's coming off of a bye week. Seattle's coming off of a short weekend. People are going to go, oh, wait, wait, Tom. You know, Seattle's got to lay that three, three and a half because they're at home. Well, I asked this question on my show this Sunday. Is it a product of Pete Carroll at home and all those great numbers or is it a product of Russell Wilson? I think we got our answer because Seattle's 0-3 at home this year. So I'm not looking at that and telling you that, that it looks good. The one thing I will tell you that looks good is Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has looked better each and every week that I've seen him. Trevor Lawrence is a guy that has some good receivers in Jones and Chenault right now. He also is backed up by Robinson, who's running the ball really effectively. And now he's got a bye week to sort of catch his breath. They have a win under their belt. Lawrence looked really good in that game, throwing for 319. And you go, you know, Jacksonville has a chance to now really start to build something against a defense in Seattle that's pretty bad. And you look at Lawrence over the last couple of weeks. Let's not, you know, brush this aside that he's played some good teams. Look at Jacksonville's schedule. They took on Houston in week one. Lawrence's first time ever. All right, first game ever. He threw for 332. Hyde was the leading rusher for whatever reason with 44 yards. I'm throwing away week one. Allow me that. Okay. And week two, he took on Denver. Uh, You know, I am still not sure what Denver really is right now. They were really good then. All right. But look at the last four weeks. He took on Arizona and lost the game by 12. Arizona is the only undefeated team in the league right now. Took on Cincinnati, lost the game by three. At Cincinnati, the team that everyone's drooling over this week. The best record in the AFC. Tennessee, the hottest team in the league, just beat the Bills in Kansas City. Took them on, and then Miami. You know, you could jump all over Jacksonville and make fun of what they are. But find me another team over the last four weeks that has taken on Arizona, Cincinnati, Tennessee, and that kind of gauntlet schedule. I don't think Seattle should be laying points to anybody. Washington, Denver, Denver's laying three and a half. Like I said, I don't know what to make of this Denver team. I didn't believe in them when they were red hot. I said, ah, guys, I'm going to ride them. And I did. I I won a lot of money with them against the Jets. I'm going to ride them, but I don't know what they are. And now 
they're going the other way. They look really bad, and I'm going, I don't, I don't know if they're that bad either. The Broncos have the third-best scoring defense in the NFL. They only allow 18 points per game. Washington's allows 30-plus points a game. Teddy Bridgewater, though, he's been absolutely crushed. Nine sacks the last three weeks. And Chase Young in this defense, maybe it was only a matter of time before they started to get going and looking better. Washington looks a little bit better recently. I still don't believe in Taylor Heineke. I still believe that Antonio Gibson is not being used properly. I still don't love the way that they're doing things, but I just don't think they should be catching three and a half. Denver's probably the right play. And if Jerry Judy comes back... Yeah, and, and I think they should be giving more running room to Williams, but this is two limited quarterbacks and two teams that are up in the air. I can't go near it. Tampa Bay, New Orleans, primetime game. This is a, another game. Could have been a Monday nighter. Tampa Bay's 0-3 against the spread on the road. The Saints are coming off a short week, though, and you look at the Tampa Bay Bucks are only laying 4.5 or 5. Weird line here, but I think that people are making too much about this New Orleans Saints defense. It is good. I am not telling you that it's not, but Lattimore will be covering Mike Evans, which, okay, even if you eliminate him... who's going to cover Godwin? Who's going to cover Gronk? Because this could be the week he comes back. Who's going to cover Antonio Brown? Because this could be the week that he comes back. I'm not expecting the Bucs to try to run the ball, and they really shouldn't. Tom Brady has been absolutely pinpoint. Now, he's got problems in New Orleans in his career, and he's got problems in spots like this. But what about a get-right game for Tampa Bay's defense? Tampa Bay's defense has looked bad all year long. And then, wait a minute, the elixir comes, and the elixir was the Chicago Bears, which, let's be honest, they're they're just awful right now offensively. But maybe that helped them because they looked really good defensively against Chicago. They looked pretty good against Miami two weeks ago. They looked pretty good against New England week before that. Looked pretty good two weeks ago against Philly. So they looked pretty good defensively. And now you go up against Jameis Winston, who only has 14 completions per game and under 180 yards per game. It's fewest among all starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Winston has been a disaster. Winston is a problem. What Tampa Bay is going to do is going to dare you to run the ball. Well, that's what this New Orleans Saints team wants to do anyway. And you put a guy like Devin White on Alvin Kamara, you got a shot. If you could neutralize Kamara... All of a sudden, the Saints are a one-dimensional team. And forget about Michael Thomas coming back, which he might, he might not. I still need some time to kind of get back in there. But it's a question is, can Winston get him the ball? Dallas, Minnesota. Dallas laying two and a half on the road in Minnesota. This is the Sunday night game on NBC. The Cowboys, they are 6-0 against the spread. They're coming off of a bye week. Dak Prescott was injured before the bye week. He looks to get a little healthier. That offensive line is getting healthy. But this is a running attack. Look, this is Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, and they're going to have to just go out there and absolutely control this. Well, Minnesota is the same exact thing, aren't they? Minnesota's coming off of a bye week. Minnesota is at home. Minnesota's getting guys healthy. Dalvin Cook is where they want to go. They want to run the ball. They want to keep this consistently low scoring. And that is an interesting thing because you have this Dallas defense that everyone goes, oh, they're terrible. Dallas defense is terrible. Um, And you go, yeah, well, they could score a lot. And the over-under jumped from 51 to 55 and a half. Look, if both of these teams, if you sat these two coaches down and asked these two coaches, what do you want? You know, what do you actually want out of this game? Both of them are going to tell you a running game with a low scoring game. That's what they want. 
So why is this line jumping so much? It's an interesting uh, scenario to watch the public back something that I don't understand. Is it because they just don't believe in it? Look, Minnesota's defensive front is fantastic. Danell Hunter is, is one of the best in the league. If there was no existence of Aaron Donald, Danell Hunter would be getting a lot of publicity. I like this Minnesota team. I like Zimmer coming off of a bye week. I like everything Minnesota's doing, and they're at home. But I just like them defensively and keeping the game within that number might be a little tough because it's only a two and a half point spread. So I'm looking for value on a Sunday night football game. And I'm going, what about this under from 51 to 55? You guys have pushed it to a number that I now like. I didn't love it at 51, 55. I'm looking at the under and I'm going, that makes a lot of sense. I I know Jefferson is dangerous. Thielen is dangerous. Even Kirk Cousins at home is dangerous. But we know how he can kind of fade under the bright lights of prime time. And Dallas, look, if you are going out there and you're trying to just fling the ball all over, Dallas, you don't understand what you have on your team. You have a healthy offensive line. You got Ezekiel coming back. You got Tony Pollard there. I think Dallas wants to run the ball. Minnesota wants to run the ball. They're both going to play pretty good defense, running clock. I don't love it at my, under the 51 I'm starting to really fall in love with it at under 55, though. As far as the spread goes, I think Minnesota holds a little bit of value. I just don't think two and a half is enough value to get me going. All right, Giants, Kansas City. Chiefs are now a double-digit favorite against the Giants. And all I continue to hear this week is this is the get-right game for KC. This is the game where everything clicks. This is the game where Patrick Mahomes gets right. And let's make no mistake about it. This is a Patrick Mahomes problem. I keep hearing, you know what? Well, he's got this, he's got that, and the defense. Look, the defense is bad, yes, and he doesn't have a running game, sure. Maybe start looking at receivers when you throw it. Because right now, this is pathetic. Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL in interceptions at nine. That's not a fluke. That's not his defense's problem. He's got six games with with a pick. Each of the last six games. It's not a fluke. It's not a defensive problem. He's got 16 interceptions in the last 16 games, guys. It's not the defense's problem. It's not Darrell Williams' problem. It's not Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's problem. Mike White had more fantasy points than Patrick Mahomes last week. Yeah, that's 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 a real thing, right? Now, the defense does have problems. They'll last in the NFL in sacks. And Kansas City is 2-5 against the spread. as a double-digit spread. This is, it's a little out of control. And everyone's just expecting that this is the Chiefs get-right game. It's Monday Night Football. It's back at home. Patrick Mahomes is too good here. And we're starting to look at the possibility that maybe the Chiefs don't make the playoffs. I mean, it's a real possibility that Kansas City is left out. So you look at the Giants. I think you have to, before you do anything, see the idea that the Giants are trying to put together on the field because they haven't been able to put it together. I have to call it an idea. And you have to see how much of that idea comes to fruition. This is an offense without Saquon Barkley. That's their starting running back. This is an offense without their number one wide receiver, biggest offseason acquisition in Kenny Galladay. This is an offense without their first-round draft pick wide receiver, Kenny, uh, Kadarius Tony. This is an offense without their security blanket wide receiver, the only guy that was coming back from last year's receiving core, Starling Shepard. They played last week without their top four offensive weapons, Barkley and three receivers. And they still won 25-3 to against a pretty good Carolina defense. They also won an overtime game in New Orleans against that pretty decent defense. They got really, they got shafted against Atlanta in a game they should have won. One point loss at Washington, they probably should have won that game. And so you start to look at the Giants and you go, I don't know if the Giants are necessarily that pushover. 
I don't know if the Giants should be this disrespected. I don't know if this is a get-right game all of a sudden. That's the reality of what Monday night is bringing. I need to know the, the injury report, of course, but I'm not sitting back here and telling you guys right off that this is a get-right game, and I believe that everybody wants to believe that in the country. I'm going to wait to see how, how high this line goes, wait to see who's coming back. And now it doesn't necessarily have to be Saquon, because Saquon will move the line. But if Tony's back, if Shepard's back, if Galladay's back, and they're all expected to play, you know what? Plus points with Kansas City, while the world expects them to get it right. That makes a little bit of sense. All right, guys, I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.